Welcome to the Mom Powerment Podcast. This is the place where we help parents live a happy, healthy life with their kids, even when they are experiencing their most challenging behaviors. We're going to show you how to connect with your child and help them in their most difficult moments as we hear from experts in the field. I'm your host, Dr. Jakubowski, an international speaker, public school principal, and former struggling student. The Mom Powerment Podcast equips parents with science-based strategies to help you live a happy, healthy life with your kids. Welcome. So for all of our listeners out there today, I am so excited to have as part of our show today, Mr. Ryan Shelton. Mr. Shelton leads the science department at Padua Academy in Wilmington, Delaware, as well as teaches physics. He's hiked over 1,700 miles, traveled to five continents, managed a bakery, started a meditation center, and rafted the Grand Canyon, as well as scuba diving the Great Barrier Reef. Just a few details about Mr. Shelton. And the adventure he's on now is his new precious little one. So tell us a little bit about your new one that we left off in the spring to take a pause with yeah. your, your, your new exciting adventure. Tell us just a little bit. how it's- We, we uh, hit the, the jackpot on the calendar with COVID because two weeks after William Francis was born, uh, everything shut down. So Maria, my wife, and I have been able to spend the first six months of his life through summer break with him, um, teaching and working virtually, but right. spending a lot of time with him. And, you know, he's he's crawling and, and standing and trying to waddle around and, and eating foods. And we've got to spend a lot of glorious time with him. Um, I'm excited, hopefully, to get more and more back to normal in the, the next six months. But right. um, it's it's actually been really nice to be home for us. That was uh, like this the- portion blessing in disguise. Absolutely. The silver lining that we all are trying to find at this time, just to give us that little sense of, um, you know, what is the good that came out of this? Because there's there's good in everything. And a lot of times it's all about your perspective or your attitude or how, you know, you see a situation. And um, oh, that's so sweet. William, I love his name. How did you pick his name? It's really funny. We, we were wanting to have a, a robust narrative story, you know, lineage, and oftentimes when we were driving, we would just throw out different names. And um, most of the time, one of us would not like it. And William was really just the first name that both of us were like, we like that. Aww. And we always thought about continuing to tweak it, but it just kind of stuck once we, we found one that we liked. So. Oh, that's so fun. And what a story. What a baby book that's going to be, right? right? For every baby birth in 2020. Exactly. Um, so one of the reasons I asked you to join us today was... Um, in the spring when I found out you had reached out to me and said that you teach mindfulness meditation practices to your students at school. And um, I reached out to two of the seniors that you shared with me. So I can't wait to hopefully see if they're willing to come on a future episode and share with us more. Um, But what, I guess maybe let's go back a little bit to kind of what started you on your personal path in that area. What, what, what drew you to that or, or how did you learn? Maybe you could just share a little bit with us. Yeah, I mean, like life, there's a lot of twists and turns and a lot of pieces to that. Um, I think the biggest thing was, uh, I was always very intellectual, always very philosophical. I had a a family illness, um, took care of my dad for quite some time before passing away and just wanting, I knew there was something deeper and and wanting to explore that. One of my friends had uh, volunteered at a meditation center in Georgia 
So I went and sat a, a, a silent meditation retreat with him. And that kind of got the, the wheels rolling. There was something beyond thinking that was going on inside my body, inside my mind that, that meditation really worked for me and tapped into, uh, especially things like morality and compassion that I think are so strongly needed. We're so strongly needed in my life as well as needed in the world. Um, and, you know, as a teacher, any of us who are in education, we all have aspirations of, of impacting greater things. And I just knew there was something, there was something with meditation that I had never experienced through graduate school that, that I, I knew I wanted to explore further. So I ended up spending a lot of time. I spent about two years uh, at meditation centers, managing and sitting and learning about it. And um, that's actually what brought me up to Delaware. Uh, there's a meditation center called Dhammapubananda in Claymont um, that offers free 10-day retreats. And I was the first meditation, the first center manager there. And um, they've been on their own for five years. I don't do that much with them, focusing in my work with Padua, but um, that's part of my, certainly part of my journey. Wow. Is that the silent, is that a silent retreat center that I heard of? Yes. Yes. And it's free to go there, right? It's, it's free or donation-based, depending on how you say it. So you can only okay. give a donation once you've completed a course because they really want that intention or volition to be um, pure or the intention of helping people. So we, they don't believe you can really understand the benefits of the practice until you've experienced it yourself. And once you've experienced it, then you can have the right intention of trying to provide that opportunity for people to follow. And it's spread all over the world that way. It's, it's quite an amazing story. And there are centers like that all over the world. Is that my understanding? Yeah, so it's in the tradition of SN Goenka. Okay. Um, and he started in Burma, then India, and it's there's, I think, 200 centers all over the world now. And what's the longest time you've done a silent retreat? 20 days. Wow. I've done, I've done two 20-day retreats. I've heard 10, 9, 20. Yeah. That's yeah. So their their base their their intro is ten days, and I think that's one of my um, one of the struggles with that tradition for me is there's mindfulness is sweeping across the country, um, and and it's also struggling with the challenge of it being commercialized. Um, and I think yeah. there's people who are trying to protect the traditions, but I think there's also this important balance of trying to make it accessible. The Western society isn't going to go sit 20 days in their daily life, but yet there's so much that can be gained um, in these smaller chunks. And, and that's one of the amazing things when I brought it into schools is I was like, well, I, I thought it took 10 days to learn this. And now I'm going to try and do it in 30 minute chunks, 15 minutes chunks, five minute chunks. And, and I found that three minute chunks at the beginning of class is more than enough to to whet their appetite, to get them interested, get them to see some benefit, because it's so important with meditation and mindfulness for it to be self-driven, self-motivated. And um, I was always just trying to look to figure out how to give them that taste. Yeah. And it doesn't take a lot. If, if people are um, trying to find that peace of mind or trying to find a connection to compassion, it's amazing how well it works. It's It's sometimes perceived as magical, right? It, it, it doesn't quite make sense, but it just yeah. um, transforms or lightens your complexion, your mood. And um, as you can see on the um, Loving Lives blog with all my student 
students te writing, teachers writing, administrators writing, parents writing. It's it almost feels like you're writing an essay to a, a newspaper, like all the things I wish I could get my students to say, and they're saying it, right? And I think that's what's so important to me is, um, it's no longer just my message. I, I came in with a desire to share it in this uninterrupted, I'm you know, not trying to proselytize or anything like that, but um, just trying to share it and, and role model it. And, and the fact that I've been over to over the last five years get that message across where they're, they're speaking from their own experiences without any ulterior motives is, is quite rewarding. So powerful. So you had sent me that blog back in the spring. I think it took me over a month to finally just sit down, open it up and read it because like most people, you get tons of emails, you know, you're racing 110 miles an hour. You're like, that's such a great thought. I think I forwarded that email to myself like 10 times just to remind myself, I need to go back and look at this. And when I finally stopped one day and read it, I, I just stopped dead in my tracks. And for those listening, I'm going to put the link to this blog in the description notes of this podcast, because tell yourself that at some point you're going to sit and just read, even if it's just like one or two of those articles, but the, the testimonies of these, these kids. So what age are you currently working with? And for how long have you been doing this practice with your, in your teaching? Yeah, so I, I now I teach primarily physics. I used to teach some chemistry, environmental science. So I work mostly with juniors and seniors, which for me is a wonderful age. I just love because they're, they're transforming out of childhood and transforming into trying to be their own person, but they haven't quite figured it out yet. So there's a lot of exploration and, and um, curiosity. And I've been uh, now, this is my sixth year at Padua and I started teaching meditation right away. Um, tried all different types of pathways and, and trying to, again, balance preserving the message, keeping it the right way, but also letting it become people's own practice and letting them discover for themselves. Cause that's the fun of it is, is really not just following a recipe, but, but letting this journey within take you where you want it to go or where it, where it takes you, not where you want it to go. Cause very often it gives you what you need, not necessarily what you want, but, um, so yeah, I, I don't know if I hit all of your questions, but no, six it's years. Totally fine. The juniors and seniors. And Pato was all girls, right? Yes. And if what is something you share with parents who maybe we've got parents listening to this show and they're like, okay, what what is he what is he really doing in that class? How do you preface it to parents to give them an understanding and set the stage for, hey, this is what they're doing? And it's probably kind of optional for the girls, or yes. how does that work? So so Initially, I, I was very sensitive. It's not only an all-girls school, but it's a Catholic school. So wanting to be very careful of um, perceptions of this being Buddhist or this being something um, outside of the Catholic tradition. And I worked a lot with our campus ministers and um, all the way up through the, the superintendent level. And um, we ended up doing a training for the whole uh, diocese on mindfulness uh, and, and for our teachers. So it's become less and less of a challenge. Really, the reason I, the, the gateway for it into my school was just the high level of stress. No one knew what to do with these kids being so stressed. Um, and I said, well, I know something that will help. So, so I got the opportunity to introduce it in my classroom. And I started really small, started a little mindfulness club, um, getting together in the mornings before school, tried different things, but really what's worked the best is just starting class with three minutes of meditation. And, and the kids really, 
anticipate it. The Instead of being raucous up until the bell rings and trying to spend the first five minutes transitioning, uh, when that bell rings, I turn off the light and it's completely silent. Kids are, are ready to start that transition, which um, is, is nice. As you said, it is fully optional. Uh, I, I encourage, the beginning of the year, I, I offer it for the first two weeks or so saying, if you aren't interested, just be quiet, do something else quietly so that other people can try. But one of the things that I've been amazed by is the participation. I would say 95% of the kids try it. Maybe at the beginning, 90%, and then they look around and see everyone else trying it. So you get five more percent. And then there's a few that that are resistant, but also those kids who don't um, participate about two, three months into it, they talk about how beneficial it is. And I was like, I didn't even know you were participating or you were wow. doing your own thing. And um, it, it really is trying to build that uh, community. So you, you said speaking to um, parents, really it's just keeping it small enough that it, all we do is observe the breath. I don't try okay. and get yeah. anything. So you turn off the lights, walk us through that. Like if we were fly on the wall, what would that look like in your class? Yeah. So, um, I, I turn off the lights, I have a, a timer with a chime, it chimes at the beginning, it chimes after three minutes, and then I do talk them through some basic meditation tools. So the okay. tool that I use is called Anapana, which is focusing on the breath coming in and out of the nose. And as you get better at and better at it, your, your mind gets distracted less and less easily. So at the beginning, there's a lot of verbal prompts of keep trying, stay engaged, stay motivated, at the beginning, you might only have a few fleeting moments of, of quieting your mind, or you might just be practicing thinking of your thoughts as a radio in the background that you turn down the volume on until you get those moments of silence. Until And then you're trying to extend that period of awareness of silence to um, connect with yourself. And I speak of it, there's so many different metaphors and different ways of saying the same thing, but that's the essence of it is, oh, it keep coming back to your breath don't be distracted by your mind. Don't roll in thoughts. Just listen to your body, connect with your body and don't try and force anything, but just accept whatever the reality is, accept the rate of your breath, the depth of your breath. Don't try and change anything. And the magic is that your body naturally starts to let go. So you're not trying to force it to let go, but just by doing this very traditional technique, you're body gets the cues to start letting go itself and releasing some of these. I, I like bringing it back to um, anger, fear, and greed are kind of the three things that are pulling us in different directions. And there's something about meditation that just over time takes each of those things down a notch and, and helps us get closer and closer to the absence of those three things, which to me is what unconditional love is. Mm. Anger, fear, and greed. I love that you said that because who wouldn't want their child or themselves living with less anger, right? More yeah. love in place of fear. And what was the last one? Greed. Greed. Oh, wow. How? Who would give anything to raise kids who are in touch with serving and helping and realizing that there's so much more in life that can make you so happy when you give and help and support somebody else, right? Like those are just such beautiful fundamentals. So what would you say to someone who might be listening and they're like, oh my gosh, I can't stop all those thoughts coming in and out of my head. I can never meditate. Like people say that, yeah, that I, I could never do that. What's one thing you would say that maybe if they heard this, 
they actually might give it a try? I would say start small. Um, we're very achievement oriented in our society, especially in all platforms, in schools and business and, and all these different things. Meditation is very different from that. You're, you're not trying to achieve something. You're just trying to slow down and just in those moments. So, so starting small, um, connecting with, with other people who have benefited from it. I think hearing their stories, hearing their narratives, because they're not usually, while the, the, the benefits described are often profound, the, the process isn't profound at all. It's very simple. Find some quiet space, find some quiet time, practice for a minute. Try, I usually try and encourage people to, to set a goal for the month. Every day this month, I'm going to meditate for one minute. And at the end of the month, just evaluate. If you found it helpful, increase it to three minutes. If you didn't find it helpful, don't do it. But you have to, to create, the hardest thing is in our society where we just keep running and we keep reaching for that next uh, agenda item that we we sometimes miss the um, simple moments um, that that meditation brings back to you. So, I don't know if that was quite one thing, but it's, yeah, it's, no, it's, I, I love how you said, you know, don't don't be discouraged or think it's such a small thing to just start very, very little and small. I know with the kids in school, when we do the lessons with them, we start with 30 seconds, then 60 seconds at a time, you know, at each lesson and, and you slowly build up. Like you said, you, you just start for a little, little bit. And I, I heard somebody say once that if, if, if thoughts come, they're there and just watch them go by and don't judge yourself that you have them and get discouraged that you can't do this because you can't clear your mind. Um, if they come, just let them come and just watch them go right by and, and, and don't judge that, you know, they, they were there or, or you can't control them or, or um, I, I thought that was a really helpful statement that somebody made once. Yeah, um, simple acceptance is, is such a mm. um, important part, accepting the reality, accepting yourself, accepting all these things as they are and finding the joy in them. And what has it done for you the most? What do you notice the biggest difference in your life from doing this practice? I mean, I think we were kind of alluding to it. I think patience has really matured in me. I think I've often been um, striving or gunning or pushing, trying to make the most of every moment of every day of every opportunity. And um, sometimes that's boxed me out of opportunities. You're, you're, you run right past it. You don't even notice. And I think um, trusting my practice and kind of trusting things that are beyond me, meditation helps me feel like I'm in the track. I'm, I'm on the right path for me. I'm, I'm when the opportunity is right, it will present itself. Um, and, and that's the main thing is, is just, um, express expecting be, being patient for the opportunity and then when it presents itself taking advantage of it that's beautiful and if any of our listeners maybe don't get on the blog for a little while what are some things that stand out to you in your mind of what these girls have shared and staff members 
Um, can you just share a couple couple different things that you're like, wow, this you know student child at all, you know, shared this from the mindfulness practices, and it just, it's just incredible. Can you just leave us with a couple of those thoughts? Yeah, I think what's interesting to me is in the classroom, in the group of people, all I see is that they're participating. I don't usually dig too deep into their individual experiences because it's personal, right? Or or I don't yeah. want to dig into that. So it's always amazed me that after this three, four, five years, as they've grown confidence that they're not the only ones experiencing these benefits, they've been much more comfortable sharing. So when I read these posts, I'm always amazed at how profound some of the I know. Um, benefits are. I've had yeah. um, students who have had significant health issues and stress-related anxiety and things like that speak of going to all these different types of therapists and things, and, and suddenly this is the one tool that helped them clear that hurdle and, and feel like they were on their own two feet. Um, and, and there's just enough of those types of stories. I mean, one of the things that's been really, was really inspiring last spring is I started reaching out to some of my alumni. Wow. And I, you know, you know, you never think that they're going to write back or things like that, but I had, right. I don't remember how many, but I'd say half a dozen wrote back and say, I'd love to write this blog. I'd want other people to try it because you know, in their, in their experiences, they hear about meditation and they dabble in this and that, and they don't have a real depth of understanding. So a lot of them describe my classes. It's, it's the first time I've really tried meditation or really knew what it was about. Um, and, and, and reading some of the profound shifts that it's helped them overcome, specifically that stress and anxiety for, for the teenagers is, is really powerful. Yeah, I remember one of the blogs talking about uh, taking tests, like was always stressed out, almost couldn't handle it, couldn't take it. And just to hear the power that it gave them to actually come to that space of it's okay, like I don't have to be like freaked out and 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 actually walk in and manage this. I mean, that those practices, that that ability and to learn that from practicing the mindfulness and meditation is just a skill they're going to use not only for test taking, but for areas for the rest of their life. And for, for teachers, I think one of the, the challenges we face is when they come from a rowdy class into our classroom or from a quiet classroom, making that transition. And one of the things that they repeatedly say is that, that they can reset, they can re-energize, they can refocus to be in my class, not mm -hmm. thinking about their sports game afterwards or their their test they just took, but just resetting, I think is a really powerful word. That's such a good word. That's such a good word. And how many times do we feel at times that we wish we could, and sometimes it seems so out of reach or, um, you know, we don't know how to do it. So I love that you're sharing those things with us today. Um, let's see, what, what, maybe what is, um, when someone wants to meditate or sit like you're saying and how you experience and practice it, do, do they have to sit a special way or how, what do you say to, to people to, when it comes to sitting or you have to close your eyes, put your hands in a special position, or I know people think of it as this, this beautiful thing. And it, it does, it doesn't always mean that. And that that's a whole misconception to have to work through. Um, what do you do? What do you say? What would you tell us? I mean, I think one of the ironies about my perception of meditation and my real experience of meditation is we perceive meditation as this peaceful, tranquil experience. And it is very often the opposite of that. When, when you 
actually stop and close your eyes and, and try to focus on what's within, we've got all kinds of um, challenges going on inside that, that I think is one of the reasons we all love our cell phones, because once we start listening to some of that noise within, we don't want to. So you just get on your phone and you start scrolling because it gives you an outlet. It gives you an escape. Distraction. So when you first sit, especially initially, sometimes it's, it's really difficult and challenging um, to, to face some of these things. And you just have to, that's where having the confidence and the, the trust in the practice working is needed. You have to have a belief that, or at least a commitment to try it for some period of time to experience it. As far as, as positioning, it's, you know, some, some people are very, very technical and specific, but you really don't have to be. I mean, I'm working with girls who are sitting on school stools. They're, this isn't, uh, one of the things that my wife, I, I helped her learn about meditation and um, she was really trying hard to figure it out. And she had expressed to me that she was having trouble sleeping and she said she kept falling asleep. And, and one of the things I said is, well, maybe you need to sleep. You were telling me two days ago that you couldn't sleep and now you figured out how to sleep and this is great. So I think in the very basics, the, a lot of people would agree that it's helpful to keep your back and your neck straight but sitting in a chair or sitting on a cushion or sitting on the ground, none of that really matters if, if you're sitting up straight. But I have a lot of kids who just like putting their head down. Um, I think it also kind of gives them a little cocoon. It gives them their space. Um, the main thing, and I think closing your eyes, uh, again, there's different lines of thought, but I think closing your eyes helps people focus in on themselves. So, so my instruction is close your eyes, Find a position that's comfortable for you and try and bring your attention to the natural breath in the triangular area around your nose. And that's basically it. And breathe in through your nose and breathe out through your nose. Is that what you teach? Yeah. So yeah. following okay. the natural breath in and out of your nose. And then as you try, if, if your mind starts to quiet, trying to notice some of the subtler details, maybe which nostril the air is coming out of, um, the touch of the breath somewhere, the temperature of the breath those types of things, but it's, it, they're all just um, objects of focus. The, the main thing is, is just trying to quiet your mind and focus on your body. So letting your, your breath be that vehicle that, the, the breath is a really amazing tool because it's both conscious and subconscious. So it connects to both your conscious mind and your subconscious mind. We know when we're angry, our breath is heavy or erratic. When we're calm and soothing, our, we're very rhythmic or light. Um, and again, we're not trying to force it to be light and rhythmic, but by listening to the breath, you're not only connecting to what's in your conscious mind, but your subconscious mind impacts your breath as well. So you're trying to kind of um, remove some of that barricade between the conscious and the subconscious mind, because as some of the reason that we're so anxious and agitated or angry is because of our past training, our history of reacting to, to tests or certain sure. events over and over again in a certain way. And by connecting to uh, consciously, we try and say, I'm not going to react that way again. I'm not going to react that way again, yeah. over and over again with all of our determination. But until we start to unpack some of what's stored in our subconscious mind, it's very difficult or, or maybe even impossible. But by connecting with our breath, a lot of times what people will notice is when they're not meditating, if they get really angry, they might just have a blip where they notice their breath and say, well, why, why did I trigger that automatic anger cycle? Mm -hmm. Let me take a breath. Let me slow down, which comes back to a lot of our 
you know, since I've been a kid, there's always been these count to five, take two deep breaths, all yeah. these simple calming things, which are, are simple forms of meditation. Yeah, very similar. So if anybody is realized recently, eh, you might've been a little bit angry and you didn't really want to be, or you found yourself afraid or anxious or stressed and who is dealing with any of that uh, at some point on a weekly basis due to the tumultuous times that we're in or if you found that you hope to be more of a giving person or have raised your family in a way that is more giving full of love and um, kindness to give then this is an invitation for you today to just start like Mr. Shelton said just start with a minute and build up to two minutes and over a month, by the end, if you notice positive changes that are a benefit to you, maybe it's something that will be something special for you to even start 2021 down a new path full of love and giving and thinking and caring for others and, and changing your, your, your inner world and learning more about your, yourself um, to be a better you. Well, Mr. Shelton, I really appreciate you taking the time to share all of this with us today. I truly value it, especially connecting with you back in the spring, like seven months ago. And it's just such an honor and a privilege to have you um, on this interview. So thank you so much for agreeing to join me today. And thanks for having me and good luck with your project. And if anyone listening wants to connect, you're welcome to find my email on Padua's website. Yes, and I'll add that in the description notes below. Awesome, well, thank you so much. Hey there, it's Karin. I hope that you're enjoying the show. And by the way, if you're a mom who wants to learn how to help your child when they're struggling behaviorally or facing challenges in school, get started today by getting my free short video course on first steps to mom empowerment. Go to www.educationalimpactacademy.com forward slash free video. If you're new here or you haven't done this yet, this is definitely the first step to get started in learning how to have a happy life and healthy life with your kids. So head on over to www.educationalimpactacademy.com forward slash free video and grab your free gift today. Well, that's all we've got for this episode of the Mom Empowerment Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. I can't wait to help you live a happier, healthier life with your kids. Click subscribe today, and we can't wait to have you join us on our next episode. Thanks again, and remember, don't worry, be happy.